You are listening to the SRE Path Podcast, where Ash Patel and Sebastian Vietz explore the inner workings of SRE and how it adds value to software operations. This episode will give you an introduction to your hosts and our broad perspective on the SRE space, as well as cover podcast hygiene. Here we go. I am Ash Patel and this is Sebastian Vietz. We're going to be talking about SRE because we love having conversations about this. You know, this is the best way to get it out. Sebastian and I are going to be talking about a few things in this podcast episode. We're going to be talking about who this is going to be relevant to and why we're doing this show. And we're going to explain what you can expect in future episodes. So, Sebastian, I met you early last year over our interest in site reliability engineering. Turns out we have a lot of common interest uh, outside of that too, including playing beach volleyball and DJing house music, which is amazing. I mean, I haven't touched my records in forever, but as you can see, they are behind me waiting to be used. And one day, I say one day, I'm going to pull them out and I'm going to play them again. But yeah, thanks for having me, Ash. So I look forward to this for a long time and now we're doing it. So I'm super excited. Amazing. So the first thing we want to tell the audience listening to this, they want us to tell them why they should listen to us. The reason why we're even in the SRE space. I'll let you get started with that, Sebastian. I know you have a very interesting story about this. We're talking about it recently. So yeah, happy to. All right. 2014, 2015, I was a senior manager of software engineering at the time, specific focus on um, engineering processes and process automation. An organizational change occurred. At the time, it was very much related to instability in the organization when it came to the technology ecosystem that was developed in-house. And somebody decided, Sebastian, as of today, you are an SRE manager, go. I said, cool. What's that? What do I have to do? <laughs> That's an interesting start. <laughs> and the typical answer, I know, I went and tried to figure out as much as I could in the shortest amount of time about uh, what it is that I'm supposed to do. Um, and not just figuring it out for myself, but figuring it out for the 25 or 30 people that were all of a sudden uh, in my teams. And yeah, so that was a rough start. And I would not recommend this particular approach. Uh, it's eight years later. Now I have a few thoughts about how to do this better. And I know you and I will get into conversations as part of this podcast of ours here, where we talk a little bit about how you can potentially do this a little bit smoother and better. But just to continue on my journey, did this for now the last eight years. There was sort of a pivotal moment, I think 2018, 2019. I was just recently laid off and I had to make a choice for myself. Either commit to it completely, SRE I mean, reliability engineering, or go back to my roots potentially, which was software engineering, or try and do something completely different. I decided to fully buy into reliability engineering, commit completely. This particular podcast is another milestone in my journey. I'm very passionate about the discipline and the practices and the ideas and value of reliability engineering. That's why I talk so much about it, write so much about it, try to help other people and companies, trying to appreciate it as much as I do. And that's exactly how you and I started to talk with each other. And yeah, this is now 2023. I'm in my latest role 
started Greenfield again for, I think, the fourth or fifth time now as a manager of SRE, building a team and advocating heavily in the last 10 months for SRE, for what it is, what it can contribute, what's the value proposition, how can it impact the organization and the people within, and I'm having a blast. So that's the long story short. You know, I got into this space in a very roundabout way. Uh, but the one thing I want to add before we continue is it's amazing how you had to go through that fork in the road as an SRE manager and to really figure out whether this was what you wanted to do and you decided let's do it because I'm going to agree with you that this has been around for a while. It's been around for 20 years this year, actually. Yeah, congrats. It's funny, <laughs> yeah. It's funny to say... It's the way of the future, even though it's been around for 20 years. In a way, I think it was just kept a neat little secret by the people who were running systems at scale. And I was in an industry that didn't run anything at scale until five years ago because it was in the healthcare industry. So, I this is going to sound bizarre, but I entered the SRE space in a very roundabout way. I was a director of operations in a healthcare company and we had various investments. Technology just happened to be part of my portfolio. It wasn't a critical line item for me, like it may have been for your entire career, but then it just started becoming more important because it was something that was becoming more and more important for our vendors who were providing our critical systems. We had strong relationships with them. They were transitioning to the cloud at that time. This was about five, six years ago. And they were not doing a good job of it. We were having a lot of issues with downtime, performance issues. I would have conversations with their technical people. They would not actually understand where the issues were coming from. And they had a lot of organizational issues that were coming from that too. Luckily enough, because I was high up in my company, that I could actually influence the vendor companies that were providing us solutions. And I started to advocate reliability efforts in that regard. And then I realized over time that this is actually a space, site reliability engineering. It's a really roundabout way, isn't it? Yeah, I think this is uh, not atypical for people to end up in reliability engineering in a roundabout way. Like so many stories I've heard from so many people have so many different backgrounds. And honestly speaking, I kind of like this about reliability engineering. There's an opportunity for you to come from a variety of backgrounds and be because of it really, really good in in the field of reliability engineering, become like a really good reliability engineer because, and we're already getting into a little bit of what I think about reliability engineering and some of the things that I value. But for me, reliability engineers, the good ones that I've met anyway, they're generalists by nature. They're curious, right? They're problem solvers. They want to make things better. And those are really general attributes Lots of different people can have those characteristics, can have those skills or attributes and bring them to the job, right? You don't have to be necessarily a software engineer by trade in order to be a good reliability engineer. And there are so many stories out there from so many great reliability engineers or people that are doing reliability engineering without carrying the role title. They're generalists, but they like to solve problems or help others overcome challenges or look for opportunities to make things better, improve things. Those are generally transferable good skills to have. And then 
like I do it always with my teams, we look at what is the specific context of the company or the partners that we're trying to help. What are the problem spaces that we could help with? And then we go and dive deep. That means different things on different days or in different weeks or different quarters. So that's why for me, SRE is a broad spectrum discipline and we can get into this, how I look at it and how I decide with my teams together what's important, what should we be focusing on and how do we cherry pick and choose together with others what should we be tackling first, second and third. People come from many walks of life into SRE. I actually started off as a system admin. Networks were my jam. So this is like an amazing upgrade (laughs) to what we were doing, you know, manual work, you know, 15, 20 years ago. It was all about doing manual, repetitive work. If you've ever seen that TV show, The IT Crowd, it's a UK-based TV show. It's a comedy about the lives of IT support. Yes. That was the feeling. Answer a call and then the guy says, have you turned it off and on again? And then you repeat that 50 times a day. I have a t-shirt for this. So, you know, when I'm in the mood, that's the t-shirt I wear. I wear it to conferences or to meetups. And it's funny enough how often that actually works, how often that is a legitimate mitigation strategy. Let's just admit it. It just is. It is, it is. But uh, let's just say SRE can be a little bit more advanced than that these days. So we're going to go with that. Having said that, okay, there is one thing about being a manager for a long, long time. Someone who just kept dealing with more and more complex organizational issues. You think, well, SRE is okay, cool. But really, there's business value behind it. And going back to, you know, why did I even care about why we're having downtime and performance issues? because it meant we were risking losing thousands of dollars a week in revenue and customer goodwill if we didn't improve the systems that were supporting our business. For large organizations, it can mean hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars. So it is important. (laughs) Who's going to really benefit the most from what we have to say? So from my perspective, personally, I hope to obviously try to reach as many people as possible with our podcast, Um, try to reach as many that are interested, that have questions about SRE still, trying to learn about the value preposition. And I think you touched on it just a little bit. The simplest answer there could just be what SRE practitioners do can contribute both to your revenue growth, right? Because you're doing a stellar job and People can trust the products that your company delivers because they are reliable and a joy to use. And when people need to use them, they actually work. And on the other end of the value spectrum, many SREs really hate doing stuff over and over again. They do think about automation almost every day and trying to make things go away that are redundant or that are repetitive So you're saying uh, SREs, they try, they think about automating everything. And I want to add something to the mindset that SREs have, that they're not doing this out of a place of laziness. They don't automate to become lazy because there's always a new problem that they're dealing with. So they have to find solutions for that complexity that keeps growing and growing. 
Yeah, but that's the thing, right? Uh, SREs, I think, generally have an appreciation that our world is is complex. And like you said, it's not because reliability engineers are, are lazy and that's why they're trying to automate things away. They're automating things away because they rather focus on the next problem that needs to be solved, the next opportunity for improvement, rather than being stuck and doing something manually or seeing someone else, a product engineering partner, doing something manually over and over and over again. There's no value in that kind of work. So let's just make it go away. So you want to be operationally that's what I wanted to say in terms of value preposition. Operationally, how you develop technology, how you develop software, you want to go about it as efficiently and effectively as you can possibly make it. So everybody can focus on the fun stuff. Everybody can focus on the cool stuff. You know, everybody can focus on the next best thing. But if you're preoccupied with repetitive tasks, day in, day out, how do you get to do that, right? So, and that's where for me, that automation mindset comes in, make those boring, repetitive tasks that have low value, but oftentimes high frequency, make them go away. Spend that extra minute, day, week on making them go away so that the week after that, you have more time for the fun stuff. Absolutely. I'm totally with you that from, especially from a technical mindset, you want to do more interesting work. Once again, you're going to hear this a lot from me. I'm going to add a manager's perspective on it. I'd be thinking, well, yeah, okay. People have to do boring work. It's work after all, but you want them to do high value adding work. If someone's doing work and it's not high value work that uses a lot of their creativity and now we're talking a lot about AI and how that's going to affect operations well that's a controversial topic we'll cover later but the people can do more strategic work people can add a lot more value if you free up their time from not dealing with all the repetitive boring work that they're doing right now and if you even remove boredom from the equation repetitive work typically means inefficient work and that reduces that equation you're working on of operational efficiency. Now, I keep on saying efficiency, efficiency, manager, manager. So I'm going to come in from the mindset of people who are thinking in terms of how is this going to save me money? How is this going to make me more money? And my job as a manager previously was to think about that. As much as I love the technical side of things, a lot of the things that got my attention were things that would save money or would help us make more money. And SRE can definitely do that. I think this will be a good conversation between the two of us because you can add a very deep technical level to it. And I'll add a managerial dimension to what you're talking about. Yeah, and I think it's fair what you're saying, right? Because at the end of the day, we are in a profession, right? We're participating in the growth or sustainability of a business, right? Businesses usually the profit kinds, they're trying to make money or they're trying not to spend too much or they're trying to, again, get the most value out of their resources. And let me just clarify it. I'm not calling people resources, right? I do not like when people do that. That's just a personal pet peeve. As a business owner, right? Uh, and having been one myself, I'm trying to be effective and efficient about what do I spend and how much I spend and what do I get in return, right? And if we are inefficient or not effective, or if you're spending a lot of time on low value tasks, then there's an opportunity, like I already suggested, for making that task 
potentially go away. And automation is just one way to do that. But there's definitely a, a tie-in between what folks on the business side are trying to accomplish and how technologists like reliability engineers can contribute to that goal and help achieve that goal. Absolutely. I think it's so important that we improve the alignment between what SREs are trying to achieve and what the organization needs and wants to achieve. There's so much opportunity there to improve that. Hopefully in this podcast and future episodes, we'll be able to explore that in much more depth. If you're looking for a very technical discussion about SRE, we're probably not your guys for this. Fortunately, there are a few practitioners that are also doing really good podcasts or really good blogs and really good write-ups about much more technical topics and how some of the practices of SRE are entering the day-to-day -day world and how they're actually implemented. But I would agree, right? Our topic here or the topics that we might be touching on, our perspectives might be a little bit different. And I think this is good, right? It, it broadens the spectrum. I've actually not seen too many podcasts or conversations where the leadership perspective or the managerial perspective or the organizational perspective has been considered all that much. But it's very important that we do talk about that aspect or that side of reliability engineering as well to make it more palatable and to make folks that are important in, a, in an organization, in a company, in a department, understand why they should commit to it, why they should invest in it, why they you know, should hire people that have a certain skill set or experiences in that field. Right? Why does it matter to someone that leads a team, a department, an organization, a company? Right? So that perspective we are trying to help with, I think, a little bit. And we do this in different ways, I think, because of our different backgrounds and experiences. But yeah, whoever is interested in that new perspective, I hope, uh, comes and joins us here and uh, listens in as we provide perspective, experiences, things that we have seen work well and don't work so well, trying to give everyone a little bit of fodder, if you will, you know, how can you articulate certain things so that they resonate with the people in your organization and in your teams. And I know you've helped AppSec people in the past. So a lot of these various disciplines can really benefit from the broader thinking that an SRE should have. For me, one of the things a good SRE does, SRE practitioner, whether or not it's a leader, a manager, or an individual contributor, is the aspect of advocacy. Talk about SRE. Why is it important? Why is it there? How can it help you? How can it support you as an individual, as an organization, as a team? There's an aspect, I think, of every SRE's daily life where you become an advocate of the discipline advocate for the practices, advocate for the value proposition. And by talking about SRE and tailor your message to the audience that you're speaking to, I think we would all be better off because we all now become sort of ambassadors of the discipline. You know, we can, we can really make an impact as SRE practitioners if we are not neglecting that part of our job and our responsibility. Totally with you on that, Sebastian. So I'm going to wrap up this episode with a little bit about the podcast hygiene for future episodes. First of all, we're going to have variable timing 
for our episodes. It's not going to be a set time. It just depends on how long we need to talk about a particular topic. So it can range from anywhere between 20 to 30 minutes. That's what we're aiming for. We're also aiming for no filler conversations. So we're not going to talk about how our weekend was last week. We're not going to talk about what whatever's happening in the news right now on Twitter or LinkedIn. And we're going to aim for a bi-weekly release cadence for new episodes. I think it's going to be valuable for people in organizations, whether you're a manager or whether you're an individual contributor. So definitely follow us on LinkedIn or your favorite podcast app. I look forward to the next episodes very much so. There are some interesting topics we're going to talk about. So I hope uh, you stay with us, you join us, because I think there's some value to be gained by listening. And I would also welcome everybody to uh, provide us with your feedback. After every episode that we air, tell us what you like, tell us what you didn't like, tell us potentially what you would like us to talk about and dive a little bit deeper into. I would certainly be interested in hearing that as well. That's all for this episode. If you enjoyed it, do subscribe on your favorite podcast app and give the podcast five stars. Your support is always appreciated.